Coming up next on the Jeff Curley Show, you're going to meet one of our most popular podcasters, Richard Chang. He is the host of the Sativa segment. Next. Many are predicting that the worst is yet to come, which is unfortunate, said one person here. Until now, they've enjoyed the reputation of being the nation's icebox. Watched a burglar in his home this morning by webcam. As a journalist of over 25 years, stories are what make my world turn. Reporting live from the Dallas Newsroom tonight, Jeff Crilly, Fox 4 News. But in 2008, I took the jump from my familiar life and started a PR firm from my home. We're talking about anyone with a camcorder like the one I'm using becomes a television network. We started slowly growing the company and we now have over a hundred clients and we've branched into the world of live digital broadcasting. I now own eight different TV studios and have a huge team. And the stories that I now get to share are sometimes the most important of my life. Life has a funny way of coming around full circle. This is the Jeff Crilly Show. So as you probably know, I started a podcast division some five years ago, and the thing has taken off. We now host 190 different shows, and uh, Richard Chang has one of our most popular shows. It's called The Sativa Segment, and he is in studio today. Richard, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about your journey and your law practice in a second, but let's talk about the show. Uh, okay. You launched it some uh, year and a half ago. Yeah, it was August 2022. Yeah. yeah. Okay, why did you, why'd you launch the show? You know, it was, uh, I was, I was sitting in my living room one day. I thought, you know, there, there should be a resource for people in the industry. So it was my way of really giving back. But if you think about it, it's, there's a little bit of self-serving uh, aspect of to it too. It, it's branding me and it's also marketing my name. But the, the primary uh, reason is really to create a resource for people to be educated on the industry because it, it is um, an industry that has historically been stigmatized. Sure. People question about it and there's continues to be a lot of questions about it. So I thought, why not create a podcast that brings on different guests from different areas of their subspecialties within the industry to um, so people can access and ascertain information about it. And when we're talking about the industry, we're talking about the cannabis industry. That's correct. The and cannabis there, industry. And there's a lot of like uh, myths out there. People just don't really understand the industry, do they? Well, like I said, it's been stigmatized over a long period of time. So, you know, I was talking to um, a CEO of a very prominent a company just two days ago. I was having lunch with him. He had uh, no clue that we, in Texas, we have a, a medical cannabis program. I said, well, hey, it's been around since 2015. Right. And so, um, no, for the most part, I think it's, um, you know, over the last 10 years I've been in the industry, I think it's slowly caught up. People are realizing that it's becoming more more mainstream. But for, certainly when I first got into it, like late 13, um, it was still very, uh, you know, you definitely did got comments or looks like, why are you in the industry? Or, you know, are you a pothead? Um, the answer is no, I'm not a pothead because I got into it. I saw an opportunity. And so... And it was, it was interesting, quite frankly. And so that's how I fell into it. Awesome. We're going to talk more about his practice in a minute. But as I was going through some of his recent shows, I yeah. found one that I absolutely love. This one dropped two days ago. Let's go ahead and roll a clip. Good morning. This is Richard Chang, the host of the Sativa segment. We are recording episode 17 today. Uh, before we get started, I'd like to say that this episode is fueled by Ritter Spencer Chain, a local law firm here in uh, Addison, Texas. Um, I'm one of the owners, so a little bit of self-promotion there, but it's okay. Um, as a one-stop business uh, law firm, we handle a variety of different corporate transactions and litigation matters. If you want to know a little bit more, go to RitterSpencerChain.com and um, you can find out a little bit more about our services. Um, 
I like to get started. Dalton, you're taking the floor today a little bit more. So my co-host, Dalton O'Neill, and uh, his wonderful guest, with whom someone that I grew up kind of knowing through the, through the air. And Don't she was, act like you're younger than me. <laughs> well, I'm not younger. I, I know I'm not younger than you. But, I but, grew up yeah, listening I, I to you. Up, we all grew yeah. up on the radio with Jenna. Okay, yeah. We all grew up on kids. Well, you know. I mean, in all fairness to Jenna, I, I did start listening to the show, and then she came on as a young guest on Kid Craddock in the morning on 106.1, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And, and she was uh she, she was on there for a while and so I so she's kind of a local celebrity. Oh Jenna. hardly. I appreciate yeah. it. Give me yeah, give me all We the haven't credit. even got to introduce it. Richard said, uh, yeah. hey, let's make it happen. I'm your yeah. co-host Dalton O'Neill Sativa segment that's episode right. 17. Today we have a special guest, Miss Jenna Owens from the Fittish and some other stuff. Sorry, this don't bang on the table. I got excited. We're happy to be here on a beautiful day in Addison, Texas. Ritter Spencer Chang is a great law firm holding it down for all things. Not just Texas Cannabis and Hemp, but all these different corporate transactions. So uh, if you need somebody to look at your stuff, call Rico and his crew. Anyway, we're happy to be here. Jenna, we are pumped. There's so much stuff to talk about. we got limited time. So for the people that aren't familiar with you, just give us a, like a 30,000-foot view. How mm -hmm. does everybody in Dallas know you? Mm -hmm. Like how, how did you get into the media scene? And, uh, and then we'll get into the brands you've got going on. Yeah, sure. So I my background was in journalism. So media was my background. That's what I did in college. And then, of course, after college, put it around trying to find with that degree, what do you do what in you journalism? Do Where? Yeah. I went to Miami University in Ohio. Oh, so I grew great. up in the Midwest. So I'm okay. actually from the Midwest. I'm not from here. But now I think I have to take a little bit of, you know, uh, ownership of DFW because I've been here for so long. Texan. It's true. I was always a Cowboys <laughs> fan growing up. My there mom's from Dallas originally. So I remember growing yeah. up, she's like diehard Cowboys fan, right? Um, even though I was in Cincinnati with the Bengals. So anyway, yeah, I went to Miami University of Ohio, did journalism in college, tried to figure out what I wanted to do with that degree after um, had an opportunity to come down to Dallas actually. Um, it was really just taking over for someone on maternity leave at 1061. Um, I was just dumping commercials, you know, learning how to do that. So mm -hmm. it was really just kind of this mundane day to day. And someone was like, hey, do you know the Kid Credit Morning Show? I actually didn't. I wasn't that familiar with it because I had grown up in the Midwest, which people right. kind of balked at, you know, when you grow up here, you're like, you haven't heard of Kid Credit. Um, but I went over there and just to see, because I had heard they had an opening and they really wanted a young, you know, it was a very character kind of styled show. It was very intentional with everyone mm -hmm. they had on the morning show. So Everybody kind of had their role. Exactly. But that, Every, that was the nice balance, you know? And so if you're not familiar with the show, yeah, it's an ensemble cast, right? And so that was kind of the point of that show is that, you know, you have a, you know, you have a black guy, you have a right. woman from the Mr. South, you Random have a Mexican Man. guy, JC. But like the point of that, it was very intentional with Kid and it was brilliant because you're kind of able to sit at a table as a family and you're able to say edgy things and you're able to speak the yeah. things that other people are thinking, but you're everyone's represented at the table for the most part, which, so anyway, that was really nice, but they were looking for a young girl. And I think I duped my way into getting that job because <laughs> I think Kid thought I would be this like wild 20 something that was just partying all the time. And I think he quickly realized that I was just more of a chill, like stoner type or something, hey. you know? Wow. You guys are great together. I wanted to tell you that. So <laughs> I, I came up through TV news and they, they almost send you to anchor school and you have this delivery that's very, you know, uh, formulaic. Uh, I think you, Dalton's a lot more fun you, to listen you, to than no, I am. No, you guys are loose and it's yeah. great. And I, um, I, I want to give Jenna a shout out because I would listen to her as well yeah. on, on the Kid Craddock show. So tell us more about her businesses. 
Um, from what I learned in that one hour of spending, um, you know, during spending episode 18 or 17 with her is that she has really two lines. One is fittish and uh, that's really more CBD focused. In fact, she made it a point to say that she will only touch uh, non-psychoactive uh, cannabinoid based products through fittish and that's more cosmetic wellness. And, she, and my, my understanding is that it's more focused on people who are into um, their aesthetics and wellness and she, you know, it's a very targeted audience and it would say at home moms, for example. Sure. And her second um, venture is super featured, which is, um, which takes a very different direction, right? It's a, uh, it is going to be more THC focused mm -hmm. and um, the, the products are going to be very different than, um, than Fittish. But I think Fittish is a little bit more of an evolved company and it's, sure. it's had more time to, 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 to grow. And, um, but the other ones just up and coming. Absolutely. Well, I want people to know more about your practice. And so yep. you were telling me before we went on that 70% of your practice is healthcare related. Yeah. Yeah. So I've spent the last 17 years um, being a healthcare regulatory and corporate M&A attorney. Uh, so the vast majority of my work um, is actually in the healthcare and M&A space, uh, advising clients on state and federal regulations and taking um, a transaction, whether it's providing a service or buying out or selling, buying out a company or selling a company from beginning to end, right? And then I have a um, certification in healthcare compliance. So I advise heavily on healthcare fraud and abuse, um, HIPAA, and um, a lot of other state-based laws like corporate practice of medicine or corporate practice of dentistry. Um, I got a chance to work on some pretty, uh, pretty significant cases throughout the year. For example, here in Texas, we had that big forest park case. I was one of the attorneys on the case. Wow. Which really made national news. So yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was quite the, it was quite the case. I'll say yeah. that. So awesome. Okay. So tell us more about the cannabis side of the business, which yeah. represents maybe 30% of the business. Yeah, it's about 30%. Now that I fell in that, I fell into that about 10 years ago in 2013 inadvertently. Okay. Right? It wasn't something that I had great vision or great foresight. It was, I got a call one day uh, from the law firm that I was at and they said, hey, listen, we have a client they want to know about, you know, physician liabilities prescribing versus recommending medicinal cannabis. Mm -hmm. That evolved into being my first client and then started representing the Texas Cannabis Industry Association. And of course, through that, the channels kind of opened through the members. Um, shortly after that, I joined a national firm. It was one of the few Amlaw 200 firms at the time that had a national cannabis practice. Went there. The chair was very gracious. It was still one of my most favorite partners I've ever um, uh, practiced with. And he just said, hey, listen, I'm so overwhelmed with Michigan licensing alone. You're really going to have to do everything else. And then, as I say, the rest is history for me. We've got some uh, video from our video library that we're going to roll right now. Give us like a typical case. What would a typical client in the cannabis space look like for you? Um, okay. So, you know, I, I, rep I won't name, name any names, but um, right now I represent a large um, alcohol uh, distribution company. And they, of course, have um, alcohol licenses with TDB mm -hmm. and you know, in, 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 in their business, because alcohol is such a sensitive topic, they, and then at, at the same time, they are getting into the hemp cannabinoid beverage space and mm -hmm. they want to know the liabilities of how it impacts, you know, their, um, you know, th th their overall business because there are other licenses at stake. Sure. Or another one would be selling or buying a cannabis company because company A wants to expand their, um, their reach and become more of a vertically integrated company, right? So they maybe maybe it's a it's a 
it's a upstream company, like an extraction company, they want to buy retail space. Wow. So I help them buy that. Or it could be like an investor that says, what are, what are my liabilities if I'm in this line of work, but I want to take this money, I want to invest it in this type of, uh, this type of a company, what is my exposure for that? Sure, well, I congratulate you as an entrepreneur because it, I, I can't imagine that this space is very crowded right now. Are there a lot of lawyers that specialize in cannabis law? You know, um, there were certainly a lot of, plenty of lawyers before me in other states. Right. So in 2013, um, I was probably one of the first attorneys, um, along with maybe one other one that really kind of got into it at a very early stage. Um, even now, there's probably only like four or five, I would say, household names in the cannabis space, um, myself being one of them, my, 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 um, my partner, Chelsea Spencer, being the, be another one. And so between the two of us and um, our two associates that have knowledge in that space, I would easily say that we have the largest alternative substances practice in the state of Texas. Wow. Uh, in what, you know, and that's even compared to big national firms. No kidding. Well, uh, let's talk about kind of the, the future of cannabis in America, because sure. um, as we both know, there's kind of a patchwork of laws across the country, and in, I think it's legal in half of the states. Uh, do you see uh, it becoming federalized at, at any point in the next couple of years? You know, years? that's the million-dollar question, right, Jeff? Mm -hmm. is, uh, is it going to become federal, uh, federally legal, or is, it, is there any decriminalization? Um, I do think that there will be. Now, um, interestingly enough, um, the Health and Human Services, the Department of Health and Human Services has already recommended to the DEA to deschedule or to reschedule the um, uh, cannabis as a Schedule Three substance. Sure. And so if that happens, that really changes the game because what are we looking at as Schedule Three? Codeine and a couple of other, uh, all the all, all the substances that's controlled, but they, they can legally be inside of a pharmacy. That really changes everything because um, then you're then you're impacting 280e with under the IRS code. Um, you can certainly ship it over state lines. It's not deemed um, drug trafficking. So and you have you're taking away RICO actions. Sure. Um, you know, it impacts FDA issues. And so by that one little change, it impacts a lot of other um, ancillary concerns. Sure. Right? We've only got a couple minutes left, and I know you have another company that you uh, oh, yeah. you're passionate about. Let's uh, let's give some time to that. Which, Sure. Um, you know, it was, it's a, I, so concurrent to me owning Ritter Spencer Chang, um, I also concurrently own Cholson M&A Advisors, which is a business brokerage firm. And, um, you know, it was really kind of started as a little mini passion project because I was on this one transaction and I realized that the broker got paid significantly more. So I thought, well, I've been making introductions for 17 years for free. Why should I do that? So it, I started it and you know, the words started getting out and I've actually having to, I'm actually having to turn down more work in that than I actually accept because there's only so many hours in a day. And I'll credit my, my, uh, my girlfriend for giving me that idea. And, um, but it, it's, it's, I mean, it is, it's a business brokerage firm, right? So you represent sellers who sure. sell their businesses and you take a, you, you take a commission for doing that. Well, I, mean, I applaud you for, for getting into that because we've got the silver tsunami right now where yeah. all of these baby boomers are starting to retire and yeah. they want to sell their business and sometimes their kids don't want the business. And so I bet, I bet you'll be very uh, busy in the, in the coming years. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, thank you for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. If you want to get a hold of him and learn more about his show, uh, go to his website, which is RitterSpencerChang.com. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks, Jeff. That's it for now. We'll see you next time.